expensive as it is and crowded as it is, they all tend to camp out to the east of the city. So I just love watching them come down in their family groups over the ridge and down to the Kidron and cross it and then come up to the Golden Gate. Well, straight away this morning I realised something was very, very different. Because instead of coming down as usual um, in these separate groups, there seemed to be some sort of focus on the road right up there in the distance. And as I watched, people were streaming in towards this focus. And I wonder what was going on. And also, of course, in contrast to the gentle murmur which you normally hear, I would hear shouts and singing. And in the middle of this growing group, there were people jumping up and down and waving their hands and so on. So I wonder what on earth was going on. And as they got down the valley, I was able to see more clearly what was happening. And I could see that right at the centre of this um, excited group uh, was a small mat, a small donkey with a man sitting on it. And then to my astonishment, as they grew closer, I saw the man was Jesus. Jesus, who walks everywhere, riding on a donkey. And then it hit me. And I could see why these Galileans were so excited. You know, they feel rather inferior to Judeans being up there in the north. And they are very proud of their prophet, Jesus. But suddenly they were realizing he was more than a prophet. He was quite deliberately fulfilling that prophecy of Zechariah made 500 years ago about the king who would come one day. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king comes to you, righteous, victorious, yet lowly, riding on a donkey, the colt of a donkey. It just came back to me, Joseph, and I could feel the hairs on the back of my neck going up. No wonder that they were so excited. The king, the king was coming into Jerusalem, just as had been foretold all that time ago. So you could imagine why there was all that shouting and singing and so on. And by this time, the noise had reached the city, and Judeans were streaming out of the gate and going down the hill shouting, What's going on? Who is it? Who is it? And they got the answer, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. And when they realized who it was, well, they started to join in the celebration. They stripped off palm branches and waved them like flags. And they went down the hill towards Jesus and the group coming up the hill until the two crowds were just sort of mingled up together. And I could hear them and understand what they were saying more and more as they got closer. My hearing isn't quite what it used to be, you know. And what they were saying was, blessed is he, blessed is he, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. It, the atmosphere, Joseph, was just electric. I've never experienced anything like it before in my life. You have to believe me. You just wouldn't understand unless you've been there. And I'm sorry, my friend, that you weren't because it was such an amazing experience. So much rejoicing. So much rejoicing. But as Jesus drew closer, I saw his face for the first time. And I thought, 
That's not really the face of someone who's totally joining in with the celebrations. And small digression here, because I didn't know until yesterday. Uh, but you know John, John, the disciple of Jesus, the one who's often in the city as a fish merchant. Uh, well, I got to know him quite well over the years, and um, I had a word with him yesterday and asked about how the procession started. And he said, well, they'd been told to get the donkey, which they'd done, and then Jesus sat on it, and this small procession then started to go up the hill from Bethphage. And as they came to the brow of the hill and went over the top, the view of the city opened up in front of them. Absolutely magnificent. But what did Jesus do? He broke down in the most terrible sobbing. He really, really, really wept over the city. And what he was saying was really quite frightening. Oh, Jerusalem, he said, oh, Jerusalem, the day is coming when your enemies will rage a siege mound against you and they will break down your walls and they'll dash you to the ground and not one stone will be left standing on another. Well, you can imagine the effect that had on them. But then as it went down and people started to come in and people thought, well, you know, this is, this is something really, really significant. They tended to forget about that in all the rejoicing. So, as Jesus came up towards me, I could see nothing of this in his face. He looked thoughtful, but not sorrowful. More determined, I'd have said. And as increasing numbers of Judeans joined, the crowd became louder and louder. Jesus! Jesus! Jesus, hail the son of David. And I thought, ah, that's what they can see, a Messiah who will, like David, fight their battles for them and win. Great celebration, but not everybody. I noticed a crowd of Pharisees pushing their way through the crowd until they actually confronted Jesus, and he had to stop. And I could see them waving their fists at him in fury, saying, you've got to get the crowd to shut up. They're blaspheming. Tell them to be quiet. And he looked at them and he said, if I tell them to be quiet, the stones of this city will cry out praises to God instead. So they looked totally baffled and backed off, but obviously trying to hinder his progress. But the crowd <laughs> took no notice of them. They just swept them through the golden gate and then I thought where's Jesus going to go now is he going to go right and confront the Romans in the Antonia fortress or is he going to go left and talk to the high priest in his palace but no he went straight ahead into the temple and when they got to the court of the Gentiles Jesus slid off a very relieved looking donkey and went in marched in and I was quite close to him at that stage I was really keen to see what he would do as a messiah and then I was absolutely thunderstruck at the expression on his face I have never in my life Joseph seen Jesus so furious and he strode up to the tables where people were changing money 
cheating the pilgrims as they changed their money into temple shekels. And he just got hold of the table and tipped it over. And there's money rolling everywhere. And then he went down the line, tipping each one over. I didn't know he was so strong because they were holding on to the tables. But Jesus just got hold of the table and turned it over on them. And when he'd finished that, he started shouting, this house is meant to be a place of prayer for all nations, for all nations. You've turned it into a den of thieves. Shame on you. And then he went to the animal pens and started wrenching the hurdles away. And soon the temple was full, the courtyard was full of animals just straying around and birds fluttering around. It was absolute chaos. And in the midst of it, what did Jesus do? He just slipped away. Nobody saw him go, but I gather that he just went back to Bethany and spent the rest of that day resting. Well, you can imagine, the high priest was absolutely livid. And that evening, he called <coughs> an emergency meeting of the Sanhedrin. And it was pandemonium. Everybody was saying, what are we going to do? They were shouting at each other. This was intolerable. And then suddenly the chief priest stood up and said, be quiet, be quiet. Big man, big voice. They were quiet. And he said to them, you know nothing, you lot, do you? If we allow this man to go on as he is, the Romans will take away our authority and they will destroy this nation. Mark me, it would be better for this nation that one man should die than they should all perish. And there was a murmur of assent. I know that quite a few of us were unhappy. I tried to say something against it. I was simply shouted down, you know, Joseph. Shouted down. Me. So I thought, this is very, very worrying. I wonder if somebody will get a message to Jesus and warn him about this. Well, they may have done, but it made no difference. Next morning, he was there in the temple again, coming in with a great crowd of his followers, and he sat there and taught all through the day with his great crowd around him. The chief priest was obviously livid about this, but he couldn't do much about it with that crowd there. But he pushed his way through with his little band of followers and confronted Jesus. And he said, by what authority are you doing this? Jesus' answer was fantastic. And it completely baffled the high priest. And they walked off. And during the day, it was fascinating, various groups, Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, they all pushed in and had a go at Jesus, trying trick questions out on him. Another day, when we got a bit more time, I'll tell you about his answers. You'll be fascinated. He is just such a brilliant debater. He's got God on his side, you know. It's quite clear. At any rate, at the end of that day, Jesus went back. Another furious meeting of the Pharisees. To no end at all. He went round blaming them all for doing nothing. But what could you do? Next day, this morning, Jesus is back again. This time... Uninterrupted, he talked the whole day to the crowd before going. Now, let me know what happened last night then.
North Rother tonight. And um, I couldn't be there, you know, because I've got some lectures to do. What is this about Jesus? You can't be serious. You mean there was no hubbub, no uproar? Everybody was calm. Did you know why? Oh, for goodness sake. The high priest told them that somebody had come to them offering to betray Jesus. One of his followers. I find that hard to believe. Well, certainly it wouldn't be one of the twelve. Do you know who it was? Huh. Does it matter? They seemed utterly confident that they can catch Jesus and kill him within the next couple of days, still during the feast. Joseph, this doesn't make sense. He's the Messiah. Everybody's expecting him. Look, he's got the power to call on God who'd send down legions of angels to defend him. Isn't that right? It is, but Joseph, I need to talk to you about something. The last few days, I've been getting words from God. I've been quite certain that he's been speaking to me. So I think we need to listen to what he's been saying. You remember the first time that I really met him when I went round to his house to ask him what I thought were so hard questions. Instead of answering them, he gave me a lot of statements which left me leaving feeling I got more questions to ask than I came with. But one of them really stuck out in my mind. He said this, God so loved the world, the world, mind you, not Israel, God so loved the world that he sent his only son into the world that men, mankind, shouldn't perish but should have everlasting life. I thought, how can he do that? I mean, we're all sinners. What can he do that will make a difference so that we can all look forward to everlasting life? I've been thinking about that ever since. Another thing that John told me was on the way down from Jerusalem, he kept on worrying them and puzzling them by saying, when I get to Jerusalem, I am going to be betrayed into the hands of the high priest and they will, they will kill me. They just didn't want to know, which you can understand. And one last thing, one last thing, Joseph, before I go. You know, one of the things I've heard him say myself is this. He said, they destroy this temple. I will rebuild it again in three days. I think we really need to hang on to what Jesus has said. That's the most important thing we can do, Joseph. No, don't bother to see me out. I can do it myself. God be with you, my friend. Be brave. Whatever we do in the next few days, we must do it out of obedience to Jesus. God bless you, my friend.
Thank you very much indeed, uh, Michael. What a wonderful gift of storytelling there as well. I love the thought, um, the many things I speak to all of you, as perhaps to me as well. You can't hold back the good news. Even the stones will cry out. This wonderful good news, the reminder of that verse from John, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What an amazing reminder in that story. And I love what Michael said to finish, that challenge to hang on to what Jesus has said. So as we, as believers, want to affirm our faith, let's stand together to declare these words. Respectful. <laughs>